This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April 21st, the I Actually Have a Favorite Kid edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. My name is Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter, Noah, is four, and my son, Ami, is one. Today on the show, if there's one universal rule of parenting, it's that you can't love one kid more, or at least can't admit it. Well, we have an interesting letter from a mom who just realized she likes one kid over the other. She's worried that this will continue, and she's wondering what she should do. Then on Slate Plus, picky eaters. We're going to give ourselves a few moments to vent and then talk about what strategies have worked to make mealtime less of a battle. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. What are your favorite, like, Trojan horse meals? Like, the, the meals that are, are healthy, but, like, they Ooh. don't know that they're healthy because they're so delicious? I mean, Naima's just eating straight up kale. Yeah, like the fact that she eats greens is wild to me because I didn't like greens until I was an adult. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. Not only will you get more content, but you'll never be bothered by a pesky ad and you'll get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. If you're new to our show, welcome. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just interested in this wild journey, we're so glad to have you. Here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting, we share our parenting triumphs and fails, offer some advice, and share recommendations of things we love. We're here twice a week on Monday and Thursday, so subscribe to never miss an episode. We're back and moving on to some parenting stories. Jamila, what's going on in your world? I am happy to report that we made it to Chicago for spring break. This was our first trip back since the beginning of the pandemic. So I hadn't seen most of my family and friends in over two years. It was really nice. You know, it was an emotional trip. Um, It's a triumph that we made it. I was sick and did not think that like the night before I was literally feeling awful and just like, I don't know if I can sit through a four hour plane ride and maybe this is a bad idea. And, you know, I pulled it together and we went, we had a really nice time and we saw, you know, some of my friends and some of my friends' kids and my parents and my sister and brother-in-law, my nephew. And it was amazing. The fail, I think, that I'm claiming is that I'm at a point in my life where I kind of resent how far away I live from most of my loved ones. You know, I left Chicago as soon as I graduated high school and never looked back. And, you know, I keep moving further and further away. And now I'm really Mm. far. And it, you know, it was a great trip, but it was an emotional trip. Like, it was definitely hard for me to say goodbye and just, like, deal with the fact that I'm not usually able to, you know, see people in the way that I was able to see them during the trip. But, you know, nevertheless, it was a great time. Do you have a hard time feeling like playing through your mind what it would be like if you were still there? I have that when I go to Atlanta. I I think a lot about like, what would my life be like if I were Mm. here? Like I would do these things with my 
family and friends all the time. Like I get into that spiral. (laughs) Yeah. Like I can envision a social life to some extent, you know, and like (laughs) how, how I would interact with my family, but professionally, I just don't really know, you know, what I would be doing. I mean, I could see that I could sort of see myself going back and becoming a school teacher. If I went back sooner, uh, I'd probably be teaching at my elementary school or something mm. like that. I don't know I that I would be very happy with that. No, exa- it's like, I I find it so gratifying to be back, but I definitely relate with your like, it's like heartbreaking because you've moved away, but you also understand why you've moved away and you, but it's like hard when you're there because you're so much a part of that world while you're there. Yeah. Oh, I hope you can go back soon. Well, Zach, what is up with you this week? We have been celebrating uh, Pesach, the the Jewish holiday Passover, and it has been big time, family time. We're I'm recording right now from my brother in law's childhood bedroom. <laughs> that Larry Bird poster is not mine. I'm not responsible for it. And so, this is really the converse situation of what you were just describing. Um, Jamila, in that we do live close to a lot of family and we're often talking about like, yeah, like it's amazing to be surrounded by family, but like we should head for greener pastures. So there's always, <laughs> you know, there, like like Elizabeth and I were talking about last week, there's always regret, yeah, you know, and there's always the, the grass is always greener situation. But um, the thing that I was going to talk about was just this brief moment. We were over at my sister's house. My cousins from Texas were in town. Other cousins from Chicago were in town. And I grew up doing these Passover seders where oftentimes there would be like the kids table and the adults table. And like this was the first time uh, that my kids were old enough to be at the kids table. Um, even though like I feel like I'm like 12, like I wait, I should be at the kids table, right? It's like, <laughs> nope, you are a grown person, buddy. Um, and so my kids were like doing their own thing at the kids table. And I'm over here with the adult. It was a very surreal moment. And then after dinner, my son, Ami, who's, you know, he's 18 months. So he actually sat with me during dinner, but um, Noah, my older kid was, was at the kids table. Um, after dinner, Ami, who's very clingy to, to both uh, Shira and I, I thought that he would just stay with us, but all the other kids, the older kids, went down into my sister's basement. And Shira, my wife, took him down, and I thought, like, inevitably she'd come back up with him, like, a minute later because he wouldn't let her uh, leave her. But my cousin's kid, my first cousin once removed, she was able to get Ami to stay with her. And, like, he stayed down in the basement for, like, an hour without us. So all the adults were upstairs talking, all the kids, including my 18-month-old, my big boy, um, was able to, like, stay downstairs with his cousin. It was, like, you know, this thing that I think we probably experience a lot where it's like, oh, this is so nice just to talk with the adults and have the kids not mess with us. But then, like, of course, my next thought is, like, oh, he doesn't want to be with me anymore. He's just happy. To to be with to be with his cousin, so it was bittersweet. But I was I was so proud of him, and and again, just this surreal thing of I'm at the adult table now, and my kids are at the kids table, and <laughs> I just I just can't get over that. But it was really great to be with family. How did Noah do with the three questions? Oh, thank you. Four four questions. Four questions. Oh gosh, sorry. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, she did so great. She sang them kind of. She she was saying them with her, um, but. 
she she did really really well. That's uh, it, amazing. It, it was really fun. And how long are you are you there? My wife's siblings are still in town. We've just been camped out at her parents' house, so we'll probably stay here for an, another day or two and then go back to Detroit. Nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, why both of you are <laughs> spending time with your families, my triumph <laughs> is that I'm taking some time for myself despite like all of the obstacles that are basically Teddy. I got my hair cut on Friday. Okay. I haven't done because of like I got it cut once or twice during the pandemic, but then like we moved and finding a new person and then COVID and then children. Um, and for me, I have very long, very thick hair. This is like not a short go in for an hour. This is like the bulk of my afternoon. Like I go in at one and I'm not done till five or so. Are you serious? Um, yeah, because I, wow. I get color put yeah. in and it's wow. me, a I'm sure it's really all day, all day thing. So it's like a big commitment. Like I have to make sure like, can someone, like, really watch the kids or can Jeff take a half day? You know, like, those kind of things. So I did that. I joined a gym mainly because they have a pool and we can take the kids swimming. And as it gets warmer, we'll be able to take them after. And I'm feeling better, hopefully, about COVID numbers and how they're handling things. So we're able to do that. And I went to a yoga class with a mom friend Aww. this morning. Turns out a bunch of my friends um, belong to this gym. And that was today, Tuesday. We record on Tuesdays. That's the day everybody is in school, and I tend to use those days for like errands and stuff. And I just like Jeff is so much better about using time for himself so that when he comes back, he's like recharged. Like he mm-hmm. will add a run in after drop off or go like to the gym at work before he comes home, just like squeezing an extra 30 minutes so that when he comes home, and I'm terrible at that. So I did that. And Jeff and I had a date night where we like went to Denver and we left all of the kids with my friend Michaela because although we have a babysitter, who watches the kids sometimes, like, locally. The last time we left Teddy, he was a complete nightmare for her. Like, the kind where your babysitter who never calls you calls and is like, he's just, like, throwing a fit. I don't know what to do. I ended up calling a neighbor um, mom to come over (laughs) and, like, help get Teddy kind of under control because this teenager is not going to, like, bear hug my kid and just put Mm. him in. So Michaela was like, let me watch the kids because I had thought about – just canceling. It was a, a violin concert in this Air and Space Museum in Denver. It was lovely. I've been looking forward to it to a, for a long time with Jeff. And she came over. Uh, Teddy was a complete nightmare. My friend oh, did no. not call me. And when I came home, I she was just like, it was fine. I took care of it. And you know what? I just accepted it. I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't, I mean, I, you know, like gave her a bottle of wine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's like, oh my that's gosh, great. Give you a girl's nut. But I really have not had any like guilt about it because I was just like, this is something Good. that Michaela was happy to do for me. I would happily do this for her anytime. And I got mm-hmm. what I needed and it was great. And um, of course we're working on Teddy being less, he just gets like angry when he gets overwhelmed and he likes me to do the bedtime routine and if it's not me he's you know upset and that's something we have to work on but I was I felt like the next day I was able to just be like hey you had a rough night you know what I mean like sometimes I absorb it so much that then I'm like frustrated with him the next morning even though like he's you know I was like how did things go with Michaela he's like great We played. I went to sleep. It was like, yeah. You also ran around the house for like a half hour outside. He like went out the back door in his pajamas and was running around, tried to play basketball with the like 18-year-old neighbors at the basketball court behind their house. I mean, it was crazy. But we did it. I had a nice night. 
Good for I you. I don't feel bad about it. Good for you. Good. Michaela's amazing. <laughs> I feel, you know. Yeah, shout out to Michaela. This is like, this is the real, this is what real friends yes. do. Yeah. That's a real friend. Yep. It's and a that's real so friend. important to not take, to not take that guilt on is such a big move. Mm-hmm. It's so important because you don't need to. Yes, I don't need to. That's the thing. Like just realizing she does not care. It was like something when I got home, we just were able to laugh about. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, with that off my chest, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we will get into today's listener question. All right. Should we hear our listener question? It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, I have two kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. They have completely opposite personalities. The older has been much needier, taking a lot more of my time and energy with demands for attention, help, etc. The younger is a much chiller baby, happy to sit back on the sidelines and observe the household goings-on. On paper, it would make sense that my easy baby would outshine my more difficult and demanding child, but in practicality, the older one is clearly my favorite, despite the tantrums and the neediness. Maybe it's because I have less time for the one-year-old than I did for my first at this age. Or maybe it's because she demands less from me, so I don't have to spend as much time attending to her. Or maybe it has a little to do with the circumstances of her birth, CBAC. Or maybe it's because she burns so much goodwill by being a truly terrible night sleeper. But I just don't really like my one-year-old very much. At first I thought that it would change as she got older, and I got to know her personally more. But it hasn't, and I'm afraid these feelings are calcifying. If anything, I like her less now than I did six months ago. I'm warm and affectionate with her. I don't think she notices yet, but I don't want this to be an issue going forward. I'm full of guilt and completely heartsick over this. I want to change this as soon as possible. I'm looking for concrete, practical tasks I can do actively to try to like my one-year-old more. Advice, please. Signed, I don't want to have a favorite. This is a heavy question, and I gotta say, I don't want to have a favorite. The fact that you are acknowledging it is huge. This is like one of those things that we could keep to ourselves, and I think it could calcify even more. So the fact that you're putting it out there is very important. And also, I don't know if you know this, but there was a study that said around 70% of moms surveyed named a child to whom they felt closest. And only 15% of children thought their mothers were equally close to all children. So, like, you're not a freak. And in fact, this is the norm, uh, which uh, is very interesting. I also was looking to see if there were any studies on this and found one that found that um, 74% of mothers and 70% of fathers exhibited preferential treatment towards one child over the other. Um, And that was just in them observing behaviors of parents. Like they went into homes, observed behaviors and noticed this. So I agree. Like the data is in, this is normal. Yeah. And and so the, the one practical thing that I would convey here is because it seems like you have this kind of routine of spending more time with the three-year-old because they demand it, and that's just going to um, perpetuate itself. And I think the really important thing is that you need to spend a lot of quality time, if possible, with your one-year-old also, even though they're less demanding, like one-on-one time with both of them, ideally, you know, an equal amount, but like good quality time with both of them is very important, I think. You know, I wonder if there's a postpartum thing 
happening just because, you know, you have a one-year-old and I don't know if your baby's, you know, one is in 15 months or one is in just turned one, but you didn't give birth that long ago. um, And you're having some challenges bonding with your baby, you know, Um, it might be worth talking to someone. And this is always my advice for anyone who listens to, or especially Mm -hmm. who reads Karen Fading, I send everyone to therapy, but (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I think that this would be a good thing for you to talk to a professional about because there are, you know, even though it is completely normal and most parents do it, there are still feelings of guilt, you know, that you're managing about the way that you're kind of naturally inclined uh, toward one of your children as opposed to the other. And, you know, what you're feeling about this matters. Um, Also, it may help you to figure out just what those barriers uh, are for you in terms of bonding with this child. And it could be, you know, as simple as you said, this baby is less needy. You know, your time is otherwise occupied with the older sibling. And so you just don't have that bond yet. But I think that I would consider talking to somebody to try to see if there's something that you haven't been able to tap into that could be standing in between you and uh, bonding with your child. And the only other thing I would add to that is just to be really intentional, you know, about having quality time with your baby, you know, be intentional about having one-on-one time with this baby. Like you have to figure out some time for the two of you to bond in which you're not going to be interrupted by your other child. Even if you'd rather be interrupted by your other child, you have to commit to creating space for the two of you all to get closer. I completely agree with the the postpartum as well. Just even some of the language in the letter, mm-hmm. I think, speaks to this feeling of like, I've, I feel like I'm resenting this child. I feel like those those are um, often markers of postpartum depression, which you should not feel guilty about, but you should use as as a avenue to say like, OK, I need to go talk to someone. And And there are people out there that specialize in this as well. I I really liked Mila's advice about spending some one-on-one time with each child. And I would suggest since your one-year-old is so easy, try to do something that you really enjoy doing with them. So like if you love to go on walks, strap that kid into a stroller and take him Mm -hmm. on a walk. Like try to make that time you spend with your one-year-old something that you really love doing that you're capable of taking of doing with them, even if it's like needs to be short. Um even if it it needs to be like an outing or just like taking them with you when you run this errand that you like to do because they're easy and you can do that. And trying to a little bit like fake it till you make it sometimes does yep. work in in parenting. Like <laughs> I I think it's really normal. Like I have three kids and at any given time, one of them is my favorite um, based on like the day. It could be based on like just how things are going. And there are ones that are more go through more challenging phases that make it more difficult. Um, and I just try to make sure that even when I'm in that phase, that the rules are like equal, not in the sense that like you can't have them all be the same, but that like I'm not being harder on this child or and just really keeping that in check. I think talking to your friends and your partner about that are important so that they can help you as well. I also think it sounds like you may need to spend time away from both kids um, and just get some time to yourself as well if you can manage that. Uh, Because especially with those those little ones, they're really demanding on your physical 
Ness, whereas a three-year-old, even if they need more from you, it's like they need so much less of your like body, like physically being on your body, being held, being picked up, and that can be really draining. So I think if you can find a way to like get space from everyone, but also spend some one-on-one time and do some really fun things that you like with your one-year-old, you know, your three-year-old may have a, a, a an opinion about what they want to do. Your one-year-old probably doesn't. As with many of these, it's like it's your own guilt that's that's hurting you and and causing so much of this. And I think the only way to deal with a lot of that is is going to be therapy or just like having a space in which you can talk about this openly without feeling the guilt about it. And I mean, um, mom friends or a partner are yep. a great person for that, like someone who's not going to be at all judgmental and just let you say like, this kid is driving me nuts and here is why. And just like venting out all those reasons because sometimes holding it in makes it feel worse as opposed to being able to just say like, this kid, you know, like, I can't take them pulling on me. Like, we're up all night. Like, just being able to list all that can be a release as well. And, like, anything you can do to just not make it clear to your kids that you have the favorite. Like, vent all you want, but kind of back to the fake until you make a thing. Just don't make it evident at all. Um, which can be challenging because, you know, you at this moment, remember, parenting is all just a bunch of moments that pass quickly like it's not gonna always be like this but at this moment yeah you favor one kid but your younger kid just can't know that the good news is at one they don't know much of anything (laughs) it's like mostly meeting needs and and if you don't meet them all if you meet them all with a fake smile they're unlikely to know that smile is fake (laughs) yeah yeah well i don't want to have a favorite we hope this helped everyone else if you have a question for us email us at momanddad at slate.com And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday with an interview and some recommendations. Please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. It helps us grow this wonderful parenting community. If you'd like more community, be sure to join us on the Slate Parenting Facebook group. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Jasmine Ellis. For Zach Rosen and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. I'm not sure if you all saw this yet, but there was a new national poll that reaffirmed what so many parents already knew. It's hard to feed your kids nutritional foods, especially if they are picky eaters. They said that a third of kids are quote unquote picky eaters. How do your kids do with eating? Well, Naima is... At times, she can be adventurous and willing to try new things, but she definitely has her favorite foods, and it's very easy to get in a rut, I think, as the person responsible for keeping her fed by, like, just making them over and over. So, like, Naima has this, like, deep emotional attachment to Campbell's Princess Soup. They have Campbell's (laughs) Soup that looks like Disney princesses, and all of them, even though they have different ones on the can, like, it's all the same kind of vague crown shapes and stuff when you open the can. And so it started with the ones with Princess Tiana on the can, and then, you know, for a long time, there was a search for Tiana cans. Now, like, she'll accept some of the other princesses, but she strongly prefers Tiana, But like Naima could happily eat Disney princess soup 
for lunch and again after school, like every day without fail. And the princess is on the label. The princess is on the label. I'm the one going through the cans trying to find the princess Tiana. And if there's not, there's a hierarchy. She wants the princesses of color. So if there's no Tiana, then it's like, okay, Jasmine or Mulan, you know, and then the white ones, it's like, how much does she like them? Like, okay, I think she prefers Cinderella to Snow White, you know, but um, yeah. I could buy a new can of soup from a different company like Annie's or something. And she's just like, yuck, this is the worst thing I've ever had in my life. And it kind of blows my mind because I'm like, I know Campbell's soup is not that damn good. I just know it's not that good. I ate it as a kid. It's not that great. But she constantly wants it. And so it's hard finding things that like please her. You know what I mean? The way that these things that she's like super beholden to, like we eat a lot of cauliflower, you know, we eat kale and spinach because she'll eat those things. But introducing new stuff is definitely very hit or miss. Yeah, I find that Noah is more adventurous. Well, it's it seems random as hell, but also like when there are other people around, I feel like she's more willing to experiment because she wants to like impress, you know, like my friends with the fact that, you know, she'll eat cherry tomatoes or something. That's something that I've noticed. Um, she wants mac and cheese. Who doesn't want mac and cheese all the time? You know, she wants that every day and we, we would give it, she would eat that every day if we gave it to her. And so I have anxiety about her getting what she needs. But then I also remember, like, I was a picky eater and, like, I'm fine now. Like, you get, you know, you expand your palate as you get older. If they just want mac and cheese and pizza now, that doesn't mean they're going to be like that for the rest of their life. So I, I remind myself of that and just try to get her fruits and vegetables where and when I can. We've been really into the applesauce pouches lately. And another thing is, if she is involved in the making of the food, she's more likely to eat it also. So she's going to prep a salad with like tomatoes and cucumbers. And if I let her chop them and put the little olive oil and salt and lemon juice on it, she's going to, she's more likely to eat it. Henry was such a good eater as a baby and is still like a great eater. Like to the point at which I was like, yes, I'm doing this right. And then I had Oliver who eats nothing. Like he's in food therapy because he eats There was some, like, benchmark to go to food therapy that was like, can you name, you know, 25 foods that they eat? (laughs) I was like, of course. And then I, like, started to write it down. It's something like that. I mean, it's it's a large Hmm. number, like 25 different foods or something. It it may not be 25, but the number was that I, like, legitimately thought, yes, this is no problem. And then I sat down and I was like, "Mm, nope, actually, uh, he doesn't. And Teddy is a picky eater in that he uses food situations as a power play. <laughs> so like he like if we're out to eat and I order whatever I order is fair like he always wants to eat it, he eats it no problem, but at home because we have these issues with Oliver, you know, he's like, "Let's see what I can get." Uh even though I know he'd be happy to eat, like he's he's likely to eat it, but Oliver has been just a real challenge because he's the kind of picky eater where like He really doesn't like the sensory, like to the point of this, like, I'm going to say performative vomiting. I think, you know, the food therapist would say he's actually really vomiting, but to me, (laughs) it feels very performative. It feels like Uh you touch the smallest Mm -hmm. piece of his tongue and now Uh we're like spitting up things. Uh And before we were in food therapy, I used to make him taste 
everything that was on his plate. It was like, well, you just have to take one bite. And he would like close his eyes and chew like even just the smallest piece of something with the most disgusted look on his face. And then the minute we were like, okay, he would just like spit out whatever he had masticated. And that just like bothered me. Now, of course, food therapy is like, (laughs) do not make them eat anything. Like just start with things like having them leave stuff they don't like on their plate, you know? And in food therapy, they work on like, he he's the same way, Jamila, about the mac. There's like one kind of macaroni and cheese that he likes. And heaven forbid that I pick it out from the store. Like I have to take him because I, I might get the wrong one, mm-hmm. even though I swear the box looks the same. So they've just been working on like, we're going to eat all the different types of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> like, what if the noodle was a different shape? What if it was a different color? What if we made it? I mean, they do say, Zach, that like one of the best things is to have them participate in making it. Like that, mm-hmm. her solution in food therapy is like every night he needs to be in the kitchen with you, helping you or Jeff make dinner, right? We know Jeff cooks at my house. Um I don't want to pretend that I'm putting these meals on the table, but that he needs to like participate in that. And it has helped some, but I mean, some of it is like sensory. Some of it is, is, I don't know what, like he smells things. He thinks they, they smell terrible. Sometimes he doesn't even want to stay at the table because things smell. And so we've been trying to just have these rules like, well, you have to sit there and he gets an extra plate and he can put anything he doesn't want on his extra white plate and he's allowed to touch it and play with it. Like a lot of playing with our food is involved. If we can get him touching it, maybe we'll get him to eat it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's been kind of like an entire shift of how we handle meals. And then, of course, the other kids want to play with their food because Oliver gets to make faces with his. So that's that's where we are at mealtime. <laughs> what are your favorite, like... Trojan horse meals, like the the meals that are are healthy, but like they Ooh. don't know that they're healthy because they're so delicious. I mean, Amy's just eating straight up kale. Yeah, like the fact that she eats greens is wild to me because I didn't like greens until I was an adult. Same for Brussels sprouts, even though like, you know, we all we've talked about like how Brussels sprouts have changed since we were children. Yeah. They used to be really disgusting. And also like adults used to just boil them, um, which is terrible. But like. I can, um, the TikTok kale salad is one. It's really good. It's like kale, a couple of avocados, nutritional yeast, garlic, um, red onions, and maybe like seasoning and the, and some and olive oil, you know? And so you like mm-hmm. massage the kale in olive oil, and then you like mm-hmm. add the mashed uh, avocado and nutritional yeast. And it's really good. It's rich, a little creamy, um, depending on Sounds like good. how big the avocados were. Yeah, but she took to it uh, more than I expected. And then my grains, like... I use the like drippings from our turkey. Like we, I've talked about my turkey parts before. I love turkey parts, Mm -hmm. turkey thighs, turkey wings, turkey drumsticks. I made wings and drumsticks last night and I'll save like some little little meat, skin, bone, you know, and drippings. And I'll use that to um, saute grains and she really enjoys them. Nice. How about you, Elizabeth? At around four o'clock, Everyone is always super hungry, and I try to utilize that time by putting out, like, a small, almost like charcuterie board, but just 
vegetables are out with maybe some different crackers or different kale chips, like things like that, that are something crunchy, all kinds of vegetables that I'll know they'll eat, some fruit and a couple different dips. And that's just like out on the table. And so I feel like that is their hungriest time. And so they're so excited to like get a snack. And that usually buys us time for dinner. But then also when we sit down at dinner, which is slightly later by the time Jeff gets home and activities, all of that, right? Like, They've already eaten a pretty decent handful of stuff. And I just put out like I just put out the mixed greens with nothing on it. And the kids will usually eat a couple pieces of those like just with nothing. I sneak a lot into smoothies, too, in the Mm, morning. Like we make our own smoothies and I throw kale and all kinds of of green spinach. Um, there's avocado, like all kinds of things in there. So I feel like at least we've gotten something in a little something in the morning and they're having some fruits and veggies in the afternoon. They're all growing. I always feel like if they're growing, we're doing fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> None of them are shrinking. Do you have any good tricks, Zach? Roast some squash and then throw it in the blender and make like a creamy pasta sauce out of that. That that's often a winner. Um, and then another thing that's been happening a lot lately is I'm just giving Noah Greek yogurt and fruit for dinner when she doesn't want to eat what I make. And Greek yogurt's great protein, mm. good fat, and then just some fruits in there. Like That's like a fun thing for her. Completely delicious, kind of, you know, almost even like getting, you know, ice cream for dinner. Um, and that's fine. Like as long as she's, as long as she's eating something, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think that's something that like, parents have to give themselves some grace around like are they eating you know and there's a difference between oh my gosh I've gotten into a rut where my child is only going to eat fast food like you shouldn't let that happen but there are times where you have to just kind of give in and say it's important that there's food in their tummy and I'm going to get the healthiest thing in there that I can and make your peace with you know whatever that may be you have to feed them like three plus they eat so (laughs) much so much I'm like, how? Do, how? I'm not. Ever, I'm never this hungry. I don't want this much food. Mm-hmm. You always want food. <laughs> you always want food. Well, Slate Plus, thanks for listening. We would love to hear what experiences you have with picky eaters. Write us or send us a voice memo at slate.com. We'll talk to you soon on Monday for a normal show, and you'll get another bonus segment on Thursday. Bye.